God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for an opportunity to come and get into your word and to hear what you have to say to us. I ask that you to take this word and let it minister to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. and welcome, wow. everybody. Welcome. It is so good to see everybody here and joining with us on the, the chat. Uh uh, welcome to Scripture Talk. I am uh, Pastor Scott Pitcott. Uh, again, uh, Pastor Trey is still out uh, on his paternity leave, but we are here driving forward. And with me, as always, is Go Brandy. I'm Sister Brandy Dudley. Good evening, everybody. Go Stacy. And on flute, Stacy Tyler. All right. Welcome, welcome. Well. We have a, a great verse, and I'm looking forward to the conversation uh, this week. We are coming to you, taking a look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed on the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You know, we, we, we get a glimpse here of Jesus, you know, calling the first of the disciples, but also truly starting his ministry. You know, this falls after he's, you know, in Mark, after he's gone out into the uh, desert and through the temptation, and he's really moving into his ministry. And what we're seeing here is it is telling us what he's going about doing. He is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus was a preacher, you know, and he brought the message of God's rule on earth though not in a manner that was popularly expected or desired. Most people were wanting a political kingdom that would replace the oppressive occupation of the dreaded Romans. Now, but contrary to what they were, people were expecting, Jesus brought a kingdom of love, not subjugation, of grace, not law, humility, not pride. And so for all men, not only the Jews, to be received voluntary. So... The gospel here in Mark, we're seeing right here. He starts off saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. We're looking at this message, what Jesus is saying. Now, when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, he wanted people to know it was near. It's as close as your hand. It wasn't a distant or as dreamy as they had imagined. Now was the time to encounter the kingdom of God. Now, there are two ancient Greek words that could be translated as time. One is chronos. Uh, which means simply your chronological time. Uh, the other is kairos, uh, meaning that strategic opportunity, the decisive time. And this is the word that is being here, used here when it says the time is fulfilled. So it's the idea that it is the strategic time for the kingdom of God is now. And so now is your time of opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. And in this, he then gives instructions of, you know, repent. You know, he wanted people to know the what the entering the kingdom of God was like. Uh, they couldn't enter the kingdom 
going the same way that they had been going. You know, uh, oftentimes this idea of repent is literally a turning. You, you might be walking one direction and then you turn to make a 180 degree turn and start going the other way. And so what Jesus is doing is wanting them to change the direction. And this is contrary to what I really believe a lot of people think about when they're thinking of what repentance is. Uh, it seems, at least in conversations I've had with people, and even you know, early on in my own Christian life, of my understanding of repentance, uh, is that it was mostly about feelings, you know, especially feeling sorry for your sin. You know, it, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's wonderful to feel sorry about your sin. But repent isn't a feelings word. It's an action word. You know, Jesus told us to make a change of the mind, not merely to feel sorry for what we've done. But repentance speaks of a change of direction, not a sorrow in the heart. And so it's not describing something we must do before we come to God. It describes what coming to God is like. Now, we remember in everything that Jesus says, we can't earn our salvation. And so there aren't any steps per se that we have to achieve in order to get it and so repentance isn't oh i must feel sorry enough about what i've done for god to accept me it's really just describing what coming to god is like so you know if you're in new york and i tell you to come visit me in palestine i don't really need to say hey leave new york and come to palestine to come to palestine is to leave new york if i haven't left new york i can't come to palestine and so that's what this is. We can't come to the kingdom of God unless we're leaving our sin and the self-life and that mindset behind. And that is amazing because it's not even in that something that we do. That comes about because of what God has already done. Amen to that. But you know the, the phrase that people say when you invite them to the church, they go, I can't come right now. I got to get myself right before I come to the church. Well, <laughs> you, you're not going to burn the church down if you step inside and everything because all of sin has fallen short. But the yeah. thing of it is, you can't, you can't change yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got to lean and depend on Jesus to change you and make you into a better person. So his call in this, that the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the good news is a is a invitation for all big sinner little sinner is sin is sin and you just come unto him and he'll fix you that's why he chose these men to be fishers of men he's, he's basically saying if you catch them he'll clean them so yeah you, yeah uh, that's that's what it is he'll, if you catch them bring them into the, the church he'll clean them up you know uh, I, I grew up in uh Biloxi, mississippi and uh used to spend a lot of time uh, going out mulleting. And what that was is there on the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, my dad hand knit cast net, taught me how to do that. And you would wade out into the uh, Gulf, carrying the cast net. You'd, uh, uh, the mullet, uh, they swim in pools, and there's a, a lead fish that jumps. And uh, when you see that one jump, you throw that net behind him, and uh, usually you're going to throw your net up with fish. And uh, we, we did that a lot. There was a time that my dad was uh, out of work because you know, of a, a back surgery. And uh, we, we, we fed ourselves with uh, what I and his best friend would go down and catch. Uh, you know, that's what we ate. And out of all the fish I've ever uh, caught, I've never had a fish clean itself before it come to us. You know, uh, we, that, that was part of the process. And sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, we want a big catch. Eh, sometimes a big catch means you spending up, staying up real late having to clean. 
these fish. And so, you know, when, when people say what you were saying, Sister Brandy, about, you know, well, I've got to get my life straight before I go to church, you know, but do, do you, do you uh, fill up your sink and scrub down before you get in your shower? Because that's what coming to church is. Jesus is going to do the cleansing in us. We, we can't right. do a good enough job anyway. We can't reach that spot on our back that uh, is, is where the, the biggest mess is. You know, we need somebody to scrub that for us. And that's what Jesus does. All, all the repentance actually is, is really as much of acknowledging, hey, I need a Savior. Right. I am messed up. And uh, I don't want to stay this way. You know, more well, than doing something to change everything. Go ahead, Stacy. So I was going to tell you something uh, interesting that I, I kind of, uh, me and Sister Brandy were talking earlier, and I pointed out Mark also goes into kind of a detail a little bit about um, Jesus actually, like, um, it's almost like he's recruiting, but he's studying these these different people to become his disciples you know like like he's studying that like the fishermen for example you know he sees them out there you know they're 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 constantly fishing they don't give up you know they're just they keep on and keep on and it's almost like jesus sees their character in them and he says i want them you know i want you almost like you know the, the, yeah uncle sam going i want you you know and, and he and he goes to, to the same thing with uh you know, on down to the the boat because you notice in the in the scripture he doesn't take all of the people in the boat you know he leaves Zebedee and the others behind but he takes James and his brother and and and, and it's almost like you know he's you see it through Mark's eyes I guess well, the story he's telling is Jesus you know was recruiting these people for certain reasons. Which goes back to the uh, the whole we were talking about earlier. Uh, um, calling uh, God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. Yeah, and I think that uh, points back to that uh, understanding of kairos more mm -hmm. than uh, the the chronological time. This is that specific season. Uh, the season is open for all to come, but it wasn't necessarily the right time in each individual's heart. We see this played out in church right. today. You know, you give an altar call and uh, the message will have uh, reached people's hearts at different levels. And, and, and as you study throughout the Gospels and it talks about, you know, the, the sower and the seed and how it falls on different ground, different levels of preparation. Uh, you know, it, it's that way when we share God's love. It's not up to us to see anyone make a decision to come to Christ. We're just supposed to, as the analogy says, spread the seed. We're supposed to sow the love. And we don't know how many times other people have been doing the same thing to that individual, yet this just might be that last little time that makes that right time for them to go, okay, come. Now, Mark is understood to be the earliest of the uh, written Gospels. And when you, you know, and so you, you, you look at it and you have the information that you're given. But when you look through all the other Gospels, you get this idea and you see the different perspectives of how he called that, you know, this probably wasn't the first time they'd ever seen Jesus. It tells us that Jesus was already preaching and, and, and saying this. So it's quite possible that these disciples had already heard some of Jesus's message. And I like what you said, that Jesus had been watching, you know, and so he has the Holy Spirit guiding him as to the right ones to, to call. And so that he knows 
that it's the right time for them. Because even though the scripture doesn't record how they reacted when Jesus said, come, follow me, it just says, you know, immediately or at once they dropped what they were doing and left behind and followed him. So like you said, they might have heard uh, a word in the wind from Jesus once before and they chose to believe or or like you said, the Holy Spirit is at, is at play here that it connected them to say, hey, this is, I need to go see what this is about, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, I, and that's, that's how I see that is that they, they, they left their possessions, they left their family, they left their siblings behind to follow somebody that they don't know from Adam, but they chose to go and it, it paid off in the long run. They were rewarded at the end. Well, you know, with this invitation, Jesus shows what Christianity is all about. It's about following Jesus. At its root, Christianity is not about theological systems. It's not about rules. Uh, it's not really even about helping people. It's about following Jesus. And those other things come out of that. You know, uh, he tells them, that I will make you become fishers of men. You know, uh, he's going to make them. So they're going to receive something wonderful. It seems to imply kind of a, a gradual process of training. But the reality of it is, He's telling them, hey, if they receive something wonderful, then in the right ways, they're going to learn to follow him and start doing the things that he's doing. You know, and so he called them to be fishers of men. He called them to do what he did. Mm -hmm. He's the greatest fisher of men ever, but he wants others to do the work. You know, and, you know what the, and you know what's a big word that holds all this together like glue? Faith. Yeah. And, and, and it goes back to what he was preaching, you know, uh, using that word uh, believe, you know, when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, he wanted people to know what it was like to live in the kingdom. Kingdom Jesus preached was not about just moral renewal. It was about trusting nope. God. Nope. And, 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 you know, we're, 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 we're missing that today. You know, we're, that, that's, a, that's one thing where I think we're all kind of lacking is, is, Where's where's faith? Where's everybody's faith at? Well, um, and, and you know, I think that's something that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, that uh, you know Jerry was pointing out that difference, and what I'm wanting to get to about this and believe is you know the faith. You know, faith is a tangible thing. Faith is something that we all have. Scripture says we all have a measure of faith, and it's you know what is that faith being placed in? What is it? To believe Jesus. You know, the, the word here, ancient Greek word that Jesus used for believe is pisteu, which means mm -hmm. much more than a knowledge or agreement in the mind. It speaks of a relationship of trust and dependence. You know, th there are a lot of people who, who believe the gospel, you know, uh, but they don't really believe in it. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that there's a God. You know, James uh, 2.19 talks about that. It says, you say you believe that God is one. Great. The demons do that, and they shudder. So just believing there's right. God is not what he's talking about. Just believing that what Jesus said is true isn't what he's talking about. It's speaking of a relationship of trust and dependence. This is a difference in believing in it 
it's not appeal only to accept it as an intellectually accurate statement, but to rest in it, to reflect mm -hmm. it. It's a big difference. To let the heart find ease in it. Yep. Yeah, to envelop it's, in it. Enveloping, yeah. yeah, it's a big difference between saying, I, "I believe in God." Okay, you believe in God, and that's great. Everybody can believe in God. Do you trust God with your with your life, with your soul, with your heart? Do you trust Him? And and that's where the faith aspect comes in. You mm -hmm. know, Scripture tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. No, and exactly. You know, it's one thing to say something, and it's another to walk in that something. You know, if I say I trust uh, a plastic chair is going to hold me, but I absolutely refuse to ever sit in that plastic chair, I, my faith isn't showing. And this is where where the whole idea of uh, faith without works is dead comes from. Right. Because it's not that you don't have faith, but if you're not putting the faith or activating the faith, putting it to work, showing that this belief is something you really have based upon the actions that you are doing, then is it really true? You know, we, we, we constantly say in relationships, actions speak louder than words. Word. If I tell my wife, I love you, but all I ever do is down her and rag her, or I never spend any time with her. I don't ever uh, sit with her. I don't talk to her. I don't ask her how her day is going. Am I really showing the words? The words become hollow. And, and that's what we get messed up with when we think of this whole Christianity thing, we start thinking religion and we start thinking of what sometimes tradition teaches us of how it's supposed to be and that it's, we're supposed to go to church where we, we, we have to do the tithe. We have to do all these other things, but all of that comes out of the expression of love. You know, I don't have to sit with my wife and talk to her. I get to sit with my wife and talk to her because I want to be with her. This idea of Christianity gets the cart before the horse because it's about relationship. It's about following Jesus and following That's right. Him. Exactly. And then all this other stuff kind of comes into play. You know, it says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. It's that priority that we get mixed up and we start also thinking that, you know, if we just believe something, oh, yeah, 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 I believe that's true. There's a difference in believing something and really believing into it. Right. right. Do you believe it with just talk or do you believe it with your heart mm -hmm. that it is real? That and, here, and here I'm fixing to get booed for this. Watch. Um, you know, there's a lot of churches out there that they, they don't teach or preach relationship with God. They just teach or preach uh, you know, uh, obedience and um, it's, there's uh, rules and, you know, there's, well, this is it and there's one way to do this and that's it. They never stop. They never stop to, to talk about the agape love that God has and, and, and the relationship that we should have with him. I mean, it's just all, it's fear. It's all fear-based. And I tell you what, that right there has pushed more people away from church and more people away from God than Satanism or anything that, get, that the enemy could do himself. And um, I, I'm going to give them a benefit of a doubt. Uh, I think it comes from a lack of balance. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, scripture is supposed to be taken in context. That means, you know, the word in context of the sentence, the sentence in the paragraph, paragraph of the chapter, the book. 
put Genesis from Revelation as well in context. And um, I remember as a kid, one of the key stories that, that stood out to me and things, and I've, and I've caught myself uh, looking at it and wondering it through. But, you know, there's a place in the Old Testament where uh, King Saul has, uh, you know, not really doing things the way he's supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, he, he calls for Samuel to come. He's wanting to go to war against these people, and he's, he's needing Samuel to come and bless him. And, uh, you know, he's waiting on Samuel to show up, and Samuel doesn't show up. You know, Samuel had given him instructions of what he was supposed to do, and he keeps waiting, and he keeps waiting. Samuel doesn't show up, and so he just goes ahead and does a sacrifice and uh, kind of does things his own way, and then Samuel, Samuel shows up. And ultimately, it comes down to this is where it, it says in the scripture that God, uh, you know, God desires obedience over sacrifice. You know, because it's like, okay, if you're busy trying your best to do the things that I'm telling you not to do instead of obeying me, you know, and, and you have that, I bet those verses that talk about, you know, if you love me, then obey my commandments. And so there is that aspect of, of it, but it's not just about the rules. And like you said, you, you lose that relationship aspect. You know, if all I'm doing is following a set of rules, then I'm just looking at it as a guidebook and not a love letter. And that's where we get off realizing that it's a love letter that also includes things for us. And, and I think that points back to our scripture from last week. We need to understand, you know, all things are lawful for me, but it doesn't mean that it's always profitable. Right. And, and it's mm-hmm. meaning because of trusting and believing that he has my best interest at heart, that I am more willing to follow those things that, I shouldn't do because I'm learning that they're not profitable because I'm trusting him because of the belief that's been developed and not relying on my feelings for the situation. And only when I feel that I'm doing bad, am I messing up? And so it's more of a believing he has my best interest and not trusting my emotional feelings of everything, which can be up and down at any given moment. And just to piggyback on what Stacy is saying there that there are some denominations that focus on and it's not even Jesus based on the rules that you can't sit here because you're not a deacon or you can't do that because you're not you know they they focus on the man-made rules in the denomination and make you feel uncomfortable or not worthy of being within that church that it just it messes you up because you're confused, is this of Jesus or is it not? And if someone that's not really uh, faith-based or faith-founded, foundation-wise, they'll get confused and think, that, oh, well, I don't need to be in this church. I'm out of here. But, uh-huh. but like you said, Scott, it has to be a balance of uh, rules, being obedient, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But uh-huh. some folks just lean more towards obey me and do this the right way or you're out versus love God with all your heart and soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. So let me tell you something. I mean, I, I looked this up. The word love, love, L-O-V-E, appears in the King James Version of the Bible 310 times. Now, if the word love is used that much 
in a book or or anything for that matter, you would think that it's more than a bunch of rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. You would you would you would understand it like something that many times love was mentioned. You, you figure somewhere in, in a person's head they would go, oh. Well, it's just more than hellfire and brimstone. Then, if it's love, God must love me. God must love, which means God must want a relationship. See, th- this thing with the rules—that's not a new problem. That was going on in Jesus's day. Oh yeah, it's why they they, they came to him and you know, hey, out of all these rules, which is the greatest? And that's where he said, you know, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And, and the second is like unto this, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing those, all of the other laws will kind of come into place. So they all right. on that. First uh, John 4, 7, and 8 is where it talks about God being love. And that if you don't know love, you don't know God. But that's yeah. the heart of it. And so that's what where it comes to. What is, hey, it's the right time. The kingdom of God is now. And so you right. and, and believe in him, believing in love. Right. And, you know, the, the, we're going to bring it back to the disciples um, where we started this whole thing to begin with. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, Jesus had a working, loving relationship with all of his disciples. And again, if he didn't, if he just kind of went to them and went, hey, hey, James, yo, y'all come over here, you know, Paul, come on, you know, uh, okay, here's here's a set of rules I need you to go by, and I need you to do this or else you're going to hell and have a nice day. You know, and Jesus could have just kicked back and sat on his mountain and over, you know, and looked it over and, and, and watched it go. But no. Jesus loved. Jesus showed love. Jesus got his hands dirty and got down right in it with them. And in the end, paid the ultimate price for it out of what? Love. Yeah. It, not rules, love. Yeah. It was not his judgment or condemnation of sin that attracted people to him. It was his love, love in spite of it. He didn't make it right. short, he didn't allow it. But he loved them regardless. You know, and to, to kind of, I guess, wrap this up a little bit, um, to quote a great man once said, all you need is love. Yes, but he said. Yeah. And on that, uh, you know, uh, it's a good place to start. Uh, if you have any feedback or would like to join the conversation, you can leave a comment here on Facebook over on our YouTube page or on our website, palestinegrace.com slash video. You can email us here at gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. Don't forget that there is an audio-only version of this show available after the fact. Just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church and your pod catcher of choice. So Right, and if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, click like for us. And if you're watching us on the YouTube version, uh, click like and subscribe most definitely and so uh go in peace to love and serve the lord and fear not stay well god is with us good night